Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Welcome, everybody. Let me get right to it here. Lots to go over. In fact, there's a bunch of jab stuff to get to because the information just continuously rolls out here regarding all of that and uh, and these bioweapon shots. But I want to talk about some education stuff related here first. Uh, however, regarding the podcast, the first thing I want to mention is this. First of all, thank you for listening and continuing to listen. Um, I appreciate you sharing the episodes where you can and, and getting more ears on, on this kind of information. Again, I, I weed through a lot of information and try to bring you as much as I can along with my own analysis as frequently as possible here. It's, again, three days a week, uh, but you can listen anytime. What I've done now is I've simply added the war videos, which, again, consist of both memes and videos, uh, which have been on BitChute and still are on BitChute, but I've now put them on Rumble. The same is true with the podcast. The podcast, of course, exists in all of the audio forms that it does on Podbean and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. That's where you can listen to it. You can also listen to it on, on BitChute as well, and now you can listen to it and watch it on Rumble. So there you go. And the reason I put it on Rumble is basically just because Rumble has an app that you can download, of course, on your iPhones, and it has a uh, or or any other device, I assume, and certainly on the Apple TV. If you have an Apple TV and and you want to watch this on a bigger screen or or listen to this on a bigger screen, you can you can do that that way. So there you go. Just wanted to let you know it's also on Rumble, but I haven't left the other platforms. I won't leave the other platforms, and of course I'm on Gab all the time as well. And I put a lot of stuff on Gab sometimes that I don't mention on the podcast, although I try to bring up as much on the podcast as I can including some of the things that I mentioned on Gab. But either way, that's where all of that information is now. So again, if you're interested in checking it out, uh, it's also on Rumble as well. Okay, let's see. First of all, here's a, here's a particular uh, phenomenon that I've noticed, which I, which I think is interesting, and it really does show sort of the panic that is existing in education, both K-12 and higher ed, but at the exact same time, it is a sign of the times, and I think that it's also showing how, yes, the enemy is losing, but they're also flailing about, and it's showing that the enemy has been in control for so long, specifically in the field of education, and as a result, they have been the ones to control what people say and then control what people cannot say, allow certain things to be said, and then, of course, uh, do, do whatever they have to do to extinguish a, a dis, uh, basically a dissenting viewpoint if, if one were to ever come about. And of course, that's been happening for quite some time. And what we know is that the most conservative individuals and the most objective individuals are the ones that are, are, that, that are being silenced. There's a particular thing, however, that is occurring here on that same wavelength that I think is not just telling, but remarkably destructive, and certainly right in line with any form of propaganda you could possibly imagine. And it's this. We're seeing now more and more what I would consider to be quote-unquote average educators, just your sort of run-of-the-mill school teacher, and they are publishing and being interviewed and, al and allowed to do this full-length interviews in newspapers or online publications or wherever it may be 
And at, in typical lockstep, what are they saying? They are not complaining about CRT and this, that, and the other. They're supporting the CRT stuff, the critical theories. They're, they're uh, supporting their public schools, and they're criticizing homeschool. They are taking the Marxist point of view, is my point. Whereas in the past, most educators would have been fearful, regardless of their political persuasion, they would have been fearful of having their name out there assigned or associated with any kind of political persuasion. And certainly they wouldn't have been interviewed talking about something of the times in the field of education that would be on a major platform, even a city's newspaper. I'm going to give you two examples here of what I'm talking about. The first is in the Sunday, I believe it was the Sunday Cincinnati Inquirer. There was a massive story on the very front page of a female teacher in the Cincinnati Public Schools in a district associated with the Cincinnati Public Schools. Well, that's the district, but she was in a, in a, in a particular school associated with that district. And she was openly talking about how the vast majority of the students that she has are minority students, black Americans, and that the CRT legislation that is coming down that is anti-CRT is remarkably destructive. And that she can't believe that this kind of thing is occurring and she can't believe that this kind of thing is happening and she thinks it's horrible and it's the worst thing uh, on planet Earth. My point is, is that in the past, there's no way that a teacher like that would have said such a thing publicly, let alone been allowed to say it. Many would have lost their jobs had they said such a thing. Uh, you know, they stick their head out in, in, in any publication and start writing even about the things that they're doing in their own classroom, which frankly is, is something that I've encouraged in the past any educator to do. If you're doing something that's great in the classroom, objective and truthful, then please, by all means, write about it. Tell other people about it. The problem is, is that these individuals that are anti-freedom and are all for the critical theories these individuals are being given all of these left-wing platforms, and it shouldn't surprise us, frankly, but they're being given all of these left-wing platforms, and they're just openly saying whatever it is that they want to say about it. They, of course, have no idea that they're dead wrong about this particular issue. They have no idea that all of this is just made-up stuff from the Frankfurt School. They have no idea that the entire lie around the 1619 Project and everybody else is designed really to confuse and make people miserable so that they can never actually put their finger on the truth. They will just wander through life as this malleable putty that exists in the controller's hands, and that's the entire, that's the entire point and purpose. So these teachers that are doing this now happen to mostly be hard left-wing, and they are the actual definition of the useful idiot, which is, again, remarkably destructive because they, of course, have no idea that what they are pushing regarding their support of all of these critical theories is actually, as I've said numerous times, in particular in the last episode, is leading to their own professional destruction. You can't take these people seriously because they believe too many things that are not real. 
They are not actually teaching the truth, let alone investigating it. They're simply regurgitating what they believe to be their factual take on things, when in fact, it is not a fact at all. It's someone else's pre-designed point of view that they're just pushing forth and saying, well, I believe it and it's real, so there you go, it must be so. I, I, I can't believe that they're being given these platforms. Again, it's, it's becoming, their, their ideologies are so widespread and so mainstream now that basically what in the past would have been considered taboo, again, being interviewed by a newspaper person about the state of affairs of education, again, most basic educators wouldn't do such a thing. And they wouldn't do it because they would be fearful of losing their job. But that's not happening now. In almost all of these environments, they're being encouraged to do that. In particular, in the harder left-wing or inner-city environments, that they need to go public with their complaining about education and how homeschooling is destructive and this, that, and the other. And that leads to the second example, which again was tossed to me by Jesse James from the Dangerous Info podcast. He said the same thing and sent me this article, and it was from this old-timer, this old hippie, bless his heart, but, you know, you can tell. He's got the old ponytail and, and the beard and whatever else, and, he's, and he teaches in the industrial technology area and in the tech schools, and he's saying that the voucher programs for homeschooling are destroying the tech schools, that the money is being pulled from the tech schools. And it's being given back to the families for the families to make their own decisions. But that's a bad thing because, again, it's taking money away from tech schools. What this old hippie doesn't understand is that it's his own party. It's his own political party that is to blame for this. It is their own ideologies that are to blame for this. See, he's pointing all of his guns and arrows and slingshots at homeschoolers. That's not the problem. The problem is, is why are people homeschooling? That's the question he should be asking himself. You see, this is where thought and the who, what, where, why, and how becomes absent among the individuals that love to point the finger. See, he's bl immediately blaming homeschooling. He's pointing over there and he's saying, it's your fault. You, you want to pull them out of, out of the system and that government money that should be coming to us is going back to you, and that's terrible. I mean, that's a Marxist ideology on its own, by itself. But what he doesn't understand is, is that it's the actions of the public schools that are actually destroying what he perceives to be a lack of funding regarding trade schools. Now, what he apparently doesn't understand is that trade schools are actually increasing in enrollment everywhere. They're increasing countless places. And it's not because of homeschooling. It's, again, because of the radical ideologies that are existing in the, in the public school arena, and those students want nothing to do with it. They're being taught hard work within their family, and they're seeing that an individual does not need a college diploma in order to be successful, that a person can learn a trade and hold on to that trade both at the private level if they want or the corporate level for a lifetime. An individual can, again, be a plumber and they can go out and do that for a lifetime for a company, multiple companies, 
or by themselves, driving around in their own automobile as an autonomous business owner. You don't learn that in a public school. Because what are you learning now in a public school? You're learning that cutting off your genitals is a way of expressing yourself. Again, if this old hippie who, who works in the trade schools and has for decades is interested in pointing the finger, he would do well to look at his competitor, which is really not the homeschooling family. They are independent and way out here. His competitor is the public school program and all of the ideologies that they're pushing. What he doesn't understand is, is that he votes for the same people that his competitor is voting for. They're all voting for the same people, which means someone's going to lose in that fight. You can't have two groups that are voting for the same people but believe separate things and are filtering money in separate ways expect to survive. Someone's going to be destroyed in that fight. Fortunately, it's the public schools that are being destroyed. But even this, again, old Michigan teacher doesn't understand that. He, he doesn't see the destruction of public schools taking place. Not to mention, he lives in Michigan. And what's the Michigan government doing? The Michigan government is purposefully destroying the trade schools because they don't want business. Because what we are witnessing is a massive takeover of the entire education apparatus to dumb down everybody so that our entire infrastructure falls to the ground. That's the whole point. He doesn't understand that. The real reason he's losing funding is because government wants him to lose funding because Democrat government, Marxist government, doesn't want him to exist. They want to do away with the people who know about the trades and can teach students about the trades because they want the infrastructure to fail. They want the pipes to burst and to make sure that no one is there to repair them because then what has to happen? You have to beg government for the solution over and over and over again. That's the wheel. That's the constant Hegelian dialectic wheel. They're destroying the very thing that they've been propping up for a very long time because they don't want to prop it up anymore. Destruction is their goal. But all this leftist can do is blame homeschoolers. It's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. That would be like blaming someone for growing food in their own house. And you're blaming them for eating their own food. And as a result, that's why the cost of food is higher in the grocery stores, because people are growing their own food on their own property. You cannot fix stupidity. You can't. And again, the hubris of the individual to again write this full length article, this full editorial on. Their view on, again, how homeschooling and the voucher program is the most poisonous thing on, on the earth and is sucking all the money away from them. He, he couldn't be more wrong, but he doesn't know. And he's being, he's being given the platform to say all of these things that are not even real. But people will read it and they will believe it. They'll say, yes, homeschoolers, absolutely, they are the problem. When have you ever heard that in the past? When have homeschoolers ever been blamed for anything ever in the past? They were the laughing stock by society, if you recall, for decades. Remember, if you were the homeschooler, you were weird. You dressed crazy, 
your parents were in a cult. That was the image that they portrayed for homeschoolers. The exact opposite is true. The homeschoolers are the ones who are likely to start their own businesses, be successful without government help. And they're being taught again by not just their parents, but by their own innate God-given ability and their own ability to think freely without constraint. That's the definition of freedom. That's the whole that's <laughs> that's why we are here. That is the point. So the very individual again who claims that trade schools are the way to go but the voucher program is 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 the problem. That's an individual who is actually creating the mental constraint on his own students by getting them to actually believe that. Let alone anybody who is reading his article which you know, I read it. I'm sure Jesse James read it. A few other people probably wrote it, but either way, the guy is, he's lost his mind. He's lost his mind. And again, he's an example of somebody who just needs to retire. If he's so upset about the state of affairs and he's been doing it for over 30 years, it's time to go home. Find another hobby, move to another place, do something else. Because he's the exact example of a fossil who will then find his way onto a school board to push his own ideologies because he has nothing better to do. And that's problematic. And of course, that's part of the cycle of abuse that exists within education, and it isn't going to stop. That's going to continue because it's a failing business model. So I think that the thing to pay attention to going forward is this. Pay attention to how many articles you see being written or where the individual being interviewed is a young educator. Or even, I'll, I'll make it even worse, because this has already happened, and it's happened in relation to me. You have students actually speaking out about this kind of stuff in, in op-eds. Whether it's newspaper reporters asking, the, asking students, <laughs> asking children their opinions about political issues. This is something that is happening also. In fact, there are outlets giving these very children who are remarkably unknowledgeable platforms to openly discuss these kinds of topics. Again, if you've been listening to the podcast for over a year, you recall that last fall in 2021, a senior, or I, I believe she was a senior in high school, could have been a junior. It, I mean, it doesn't matter. Six to one, half dozen to the other. Uh, they wrote a hit piece about me because of what I said about the jabs and how they were killing people and going to kill people. And they said, well, there's no proof of that. I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a high school student writing an article in a local online left-wing rag outlet. But I mean, that's my point right there. Not only is the child 100% wrong on everything that they said, and by the way, I haven't mentioned this in a while. In that article, in that particular article, which was hilarious, a Miami University professor, of course, was quoted as basically saying that not only was I wrong, but my statements are, are remarkably uh, poisonous, and, but we need to have dialogue, and we need to connect with these kinds of people, because if we don't have dialogue, then these kinds of people can just go off the rails and say whatever they're saying. I, of course, emailed that professor and invited myself into his classroom if he was interested in having a real debate in front of his students, I might add. And of course, it wouldn't be a real debate. It would be me sharing facts and him sharing his opinions, of which he would believe to be facts. It would get ugly. It would get ugly. I, I would keep my composure. 
but there's no way he's going to have me there. Because as I've mentioned in previous episodes, that's his cognitive dissonance. He'll stand up on a podium or a pedestal and he'll say, or a soapbox, and he'll say whatever it is that he wants to say. But then when he's called out on it to actually follow through on wanting to have a real dialogue, he won't do it. Why? Because he's afraid. He's afraid. He's probably double or triple jabbed. Who knows? He might even be dead by now. I have no idea. But this is the point. These people do not want to come face to face with reality because it shatters their illusion. It shatters it. And I've, again, gone through all those examples in the past, but uh, wow. I mean, it's remarkably destructive. That's the point. So keep an eye out for those kinds of publications. Keep an eye out for how many, how many minors you actually see being quoted. Uh, and no one reads the newspaper anymore, but it could be a newspaper article. It'd be, it could be an online outlet. You know, we talked with this student about what they think about CRT and blah, blah, blah. Who cares? Who cares what the child thinks? They're a child. They're a child. They believe things that are not real and will continue to do so. And, I'm, and that's, that's going to lead me to a point that I'm going to mention at the end of this episode. And I'm, it's not a doomer point. You know, it's not a bring everybody down kind of point, but it is a realistic, vigilant point that I think has to be made. But I want to mention that uh, toward the end. Anyway, moving on to another education story here, which, again, this is a perfect example of something that I put out on Gab and, uh, and, and didn't mention on, on Monday's podcast, but I'll mention it now. Uh, there was a story here of a Ohio school board president by the name of John Gray, 55 years old. And he was caught by volunteer pedophile exposers who call themselves the PCM, Predator Catchers Muncie, out of Muncie, Indiana. And what they did was is basically lure this guy from have, into having conversations with an 11-year-old girl, and they ended up catching him in Randolph County, Indiana, Indiana rather, on Saturday, where he hoped to meet this 11-year-old girl, who didn't exist, of course. It was a setup. But they caught the bastard, and uh, they've got the entire thing on tape, and the entire thing is on um, is on YouTube. The entire video. They caught the guy in a store. He was walking around aimlessly, buying uh, frozen French fries or something. It was clearly either very early in the morning or very late at night, one of the two. And uh, they offered him the opportunity to go outside and talk. He said, yeah, sure. And then, of course, he does all of the things that a predator does, which is deny, deny, deny. He even went so far as to say, and you're going to want to get your kids out of the room maybe for this one. But he said uh, as his excuse as to why it was it was not going to happen and he wasn't going to do anything sexually related to the child was because he's incapable of getting erections. That was his excuse. Now, where does that, what does that sound like? If you recall the Ghislaine Maxwell stuff and all of the Jeffrey Epstein uh, stuff, which is absolutely beyond horrific, and the Prince Andrew stuff. Prince Andrew, I believe, used that as an excuse as to why there's no way that he could have lured in or been sexually associated with uh, Virginia Guthrie, if I'm saying her name correctly, because she said in one of her testimonies that he sweated profusely and he claimed, I believe in a 60 Minutes interview or something like that, that he was incapable of sweating, 
that he had a disorder where he was incapable of sweating. And so the person that she was talking about could not possibly have been him because he doesn't sweat. I mean, they use the same stupid excuses. It's, I can't even, you know, it's just the mind of a criminal. The mind of a criminal and the mind of a pedophile is, is so disgusting and so warped that they do not even hear themselves talk. They don't even hear themselves speak. It's, it's beyond mind-numbing. Uh, so what ended up happening, long story short, is they, this particular predator catchers of Muncie group ended up calling the police mid-conversation. And uh, the police showed up. They handcuffed him. They detained him for a while or on the spot. They gathered his personal information, and then they let him go while they were going to conduct their own investigation. He then later ended up resigning on Sunday, this past Sunday, from his school board president position as he was about to fifth, uh, serve his fifth term or was serving his fifth term as the president. And there you go. They've got him dead to rights. They've got the text messages. They've got the online messages. They, ha they have it all. And they've got the guy. So he's done. He's finished. And thank God for it. I applaud all of these predator catcher groups, all of these uh, citizen groups that do this. It is fantastic. It is on the ground, taking the law into your own hands. Social, it's not even vigilante. It's just social. This is the real definition of social justice. There you go. There's the real definition of social justice right there. That's what that really means. These people would have normally hidden in the shadows, uh, consistently doing what they can to make inroads in their predatory behavior, and then they end up getting caught. I love it. I'm glad he got caught. Uh, my solution to ending him would be a whole lot swifter, as I'm sure it would a lot of people. But at least he got caught, and uh, hopefully he's he's convicted of something. I, I, again, I, I'm not up to date on all of the sexual predator laws that exist and all of the things that he could be charged with, but it certainly sounds like he could be charged with plenty. Soliciting sex of a minor, certainly. Um, yeah, luring a minor. I, you know, I, I don't know all the verbiage, but I, I'm sure it's out there. And uh, yeah, hold them accountable. So there's your real social justice right there. Okay, now on to some jab-related stuff. Number of stories again are flying flying through here. Uh, the, the media, and of course, the mainstream media is not touching any of this whatsoever. In fact, I came across a hilarious online post. It was from Twitter. From old Mark Levin, who people call the Great One. This guy is a fraud. Uh, he, he's, he's a massive fraud. Now that apparently Elon Musk has bought Twitter, and Elon Musk is not a good person either, ladies and gentlemen, don't fall for that trap. Um, what's going on here is hilarious because all of these pseudo-conservatives are really just seeping through the cracks. Again, the light has been shined on these people and continues to shine on these people as being the frauds that they are. He, he made a Twitter post saying that uh, now that Elon has, 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 bought, uh, has bought Twitter, get ready for Twitter to be filled with all of the anti-vaccination lunatics or conspiracy theorists or whatever he said. It was something very brief and along those lines. I mean, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. 
If he's really double or triple jabbed, um, he again suffers from a serious mental disorder called cognitive dissonance. It's not a classified mental disorder, but it should be because again, he has a serious problem. So he's been pushing the jabs from day one, just like Sean Hannity has, just like the rest of those Fox News losers. They are the enemy. They're the enemy. They have no idea what they are doing. But, you know, they have no problem standing on a soapbox and telling everybody everything. So uh, here's an example of a story, again, that, that slipped right through the cracks. The CFOs of Pfizer and Moderna have both resigned the past, uh, this past week. And again, there's a total media blackout on it. This comes from newspunch.com. It says Pfizer and Moderna both separately named new CFOs on Monday. It says, quote, this is not a coincidence in my mind. Josh Christ, co-managing partner at Executive Search from Chris Codler Associates wrote, both Frank D'Amelo at Pfizer, if I'm saying that right, probably not, and David Maline at Moderna are of retirement age. So with a bit of light at the end of the tunnel and both companies stabilizing within their new normal, now is the time to make the move. Here's the interesting part about this. Pfizer has openly admitted now, as have a number of these drug companies, that the opportunity or chance, rather, to normalize these COVID shots within the mainstream and make it mandatory or make it a part of the regular vaccination schedule is going to be next to impossible. They've openly stated this now, which is good news. I don't think we should trust these people any further than we can throw them just because they openly state that in their own hidden paperwork, and they have stated that, that they don't see, again, any lifting of the emergency use authorization because, again, that would mean that all of the facts would come out on day one that that happened, and they don't want that to happen. All of the deaths, all of the ill effects, you name it. Uh, Even USA Today brought this up just the other day that they can't, for the life of them, understand why There's all of these liver-related deaths among children now, all of this hepatitis and uh, liver failure among children both in America and in Europe and in the United Kingdom. They can't for the life of them figure out why. It was never something that existed before these shots, but now all of a sudden, seven-year-olds are having their livers completely destroyed. The other thing, too, of course, which these outlets and even these scientific, quote-unquote, I'm using huge finger quotes here, scientific, that these scientific outlets are pushing, in particular here in Canada within the Canadian Medical Association Journal, all of that sounds bad, does it not? Uh, They are claiming, of course, that it's the unvaccinated people that are harming the vaccinated. I kid you not. They actually have gone this far to create a publication that states that. So here's a summary of that particular uh, peer-reviewed publication, all in bold red letters, like any of that matters. It's the propaganda is thick here, ladies and gentlemen, and unfortunately, people are believing it. This particular, again, article that summarizes the scientific article is titled, Unvaccinated People Increase Risk of SARS-CoV-2 for vaccinated people, even when vaccination rates are high. It says, quote, unvaccinated people threaten the safety of the vaccinated, even when SARS-CoV-2 vaccination rates are high, according to a new modeling study published in the Canadian Medical Association Journal, and they have the link right there. It's not even worth reading. I'm just going to read the summary. 
It says, quote, many opponents of vaccine mandates have framed vaccine adoption as a matter of individual choice, writes David Fishman, or Fisman, Dalla Lana School of Public Health, University of Toronto, with co-authors. Quote, however, we found that the choices made by people who forego vaccination contribute disproportionately to risk among those who do get vaccinated. I'm going to finish this summary, but I have to jump in. This is the dumbest thing I have ever heard in my entire life. Absolutely stupid. But as we know, these individuals are paid to write this. It is possible that this David Fisman, every single time, that this David Fisman believes what he's actually saying. It's possible that that's the case. However, it's also possible that he's getting paid under the table to write this, or, or even so that it was pre-written for him and the people who are paying him are saying, put your name on this and publish this. And, and we're going to pull the strings necessary at the journal and it will get published. People have to understand all of that nefarious nature does take place when it comes to these quote-unquote peer-reviewed journals. They publish some of the most ridiculous things that you could possibly imagine. And you know this because I have read numerous titles and even abstracts of some of these things that qualify as quote-unquote peer-reviewed journals or peer-reviewed articles. They are an embarrassment, and this is just one of them. This defies all logic. All logic is out the window on this one. It continues. It says, researchers used a simple model to explore the effect of mixing between unvaccinated and vaccinated people to understand the dynamics of an infectious disease like SARS-CoV-2. It's not a disease, it's a poison. It's a contagious poison, no doubt about that. They simulated mixing of like-with-like populations in which people have exclusive contact with others of the same vaccination status as well as random mixing between different groups. It says when unvaccinated mixed with unvaccinated, the risk to vaccinated people was lower. When vaccinated and unvaccinated people mixed, a substantial number of new infections would occur in vaccinated people, even in scenarios where vaccination rates were high. Now, allow me to jump in very quickly here. I was going to discuss this later, but I'll bring it up now because it's too relevant. In the most recent Five Docs episode on Rumble on the Critically Thinking channel, Dr. Lee Merritt and Dr. Larry Pilevsky specifically bring up the shedding yet again. And they tell a horrific story of the shedding that is occurring when the vaccinated are around the unvaccinated and the vaccinated are making the unvaccinated sick. Again, not a vaccine, we know that, but it is a poison and it's a contagious poison as a result of proximity. They tell this story of a woman who picked up two of her family members who are at the very least double jabbed with the Pfizer shots, picks them up, drives them to the airport, in that hour or so drive, becomes remarkably ill after, after the fact. Ends up with massive brain fog, um, complete body fatigue, even bruising on the skin starts to occur. 
just from being around them. They were fine before, got around them for X amount of hours, an hour or so, and then felt terrible after the fact. And as a cure or a possible remedy, what they recommended were hyperbaric chambers, that these oxygen chambers that, again, flood your body with oxygen. Because, again, oxygen is really the killer of everything. It will kill cancer. It will kill endless things. Endless parasites are killed by oxygen. Detoxing the body with oxygen is certainly the way to go. And they, and they specifically stated that. But time and time again, we have heard of endless stories of these people who have been injected with all of these poisons, making the people around them ill as a result of electromagnetism and proximity when it comes to the unvaccinated or unjabbed being around them. This article from the Canadian Medical Association Journal is the exact opposite of that. They are claiming that it is the unvaccinated that are making the fully vaccinated ill. Again, I can't say it enough. There's nothing more ludicrous than that statement. The summary continues, and it says the following, quote, The author's findings remained stable even when they modeled lower levels of vaccine effectiveness for prevention of infection, such as in those who have not received a booster dose or with new SARS-CoV-2 variants, of which don't exist, I might add. These findings may be relevant to future waves of SARS-CoV-2 or to the behavior of new variants. I hope you're reading between the lines here when I, when I just read that, because the writing is on the wall. They're going to continue to poison the already poisoned. Those who have not taken it are not likely to take it now, and thank God for it. But those who have already been poisoned are going to be reading this and actually believing it. That is, the unjabbed that are making those that have been injecting themselves with things ill. You see, us unjabbed, us purebloods, we are not the needle going into your arms. We are not the needle. We are not the juice inside of the syringe. That's not us. It can't possibly be us. It's impossible. It is quite specifically impossible. Not to mention, the variants here are not real. But you can see that they are going to do, use this particular false story to push more lockdowns in the future, more mandatory, mandatory shots, even possibly making it law in particular countries, certainly in Canada, maybe in the future. Who knows? I hope not. But they're just going to continue with the fake variant story as much as they possibly can. That will continue. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. It then wraps up here and it says this, quote, Risk among unvaccinated people cannot be considered self-regarding. Unquote, the authors write. In other words, foregoing vaccination can't be considered to affect only the unvaccinated, but also those around them. Wow. Wow. It then says, quote, considerations around equity and justice for people who do choose to be vaccinated, as well as those who choose not to be need to be considered in the formulation of vaccination policy, the authors conclude. So what they're saying, translation, is they shouldn't make fun of each other for being vaccinated or unvaccinated, 
but you'd better hurry quick, government, and make vaccination policy to defend the vaccinated and force the unvaccinated to get vaccinated. That's what that means. And they're going to try. They've already tried. The enemy's not going to quit on this one. They just won't. Now, another huge unspoken story, although it has been brought up before by countless people, so it's not really unspoken, I take that back, but it's certainly worth revisiting because this is continuing to roll out in new and recent articles. This comes from medicalexpress.com, and it's titled, A Third of Healthcare Workers Took Sick Leave After COVID Vaccination German Study Finds. I'm just going to briefly go through just a couple of pieces of this. It says the following in the body of the article. It says, an electronic questionnaire was used to gather information about sick leave and side effects from the 1,797 healthcare workers aged 18 and older in the study. It says side effects included in the questionnaire included local vaccination reactions, such as swelling, redness, or pain around the injection site, headaches, achy limbs, fever, and or chills and fatigue. Now again, what does that sound like? Sounds like you're being poisoned with a flu shot, does it not? It's the same thing, only this, of course, is far worse. They're both terrible, but this is, this is worse. It says 588 healthcare workers, which was 32.72%, took sick leave overall, amounting to 1,777 sick days. The average length of sick leave was two days. Workers were most likely to take sick leave after the third dose of the vaccine while only 5.65% of the participants took a sick leave after the first administration, mostly after receiving a vector vaccine. 20.66% took sick leave after the second dose, and 27.31% after the third one. Median length for sick leave was two days and lasted up to 47 days. 47 days. And they're getting sicker the more shots they take. They're taking more days off. With all of those symptoms, if not worse, the more shot with the more shots they take. Honest to God, it can't get clearer, can it? It can't possibly get clearer here. I was hit in the head with a rubber mallet. I took a sick leave with headache and uh, soreness at the site of the location. I was then hit twice with a rubber mallet, and I had to take more days off because, again, I was suffering from even more horrific uh, side effects and, and whatever, ill effects, you name it. And then I was hit a third time with a rubber mallet in the exact same spot, and wouldn't you know it, I'm just not feeling the same. I feel like a completely different person, and I can't for the life of me figure it out. My inability to figure it out might have something to do with the fact that I've been hit with a rubber mallet in the exact same spot three times now. And oh, by the way, I can't do my job effectively anymore because, well, I'm not the same person I was anymore. That's what this is. Again, I'm trying to make a joke out of it, but this is horrific, which leads me to this next article. Again, all of the, I'm connecting these dots here, and uh, it is just, it's awful. It's beyond frightening. This has to do with how this is going to collapse the entire healthcare system, quote unquote. And again, I'm using finger quotes when I say healthcare. It's sick care. This comes from Natural News. Love this website. And it's titled, COVID vaccine complications will soon collapse our health system, warns renowned virologist. Of course, viruses aren't real, but whatever. We'll let that slide. Gert Vanden Bosch, again, nice guy, 
very knowledgeable, but uh, believes viruses are real. Nope, it's just poison. Um, it says he used to work as a senior program manager at Global Alliance for Vaccines and Immunization, and he warned listeners in a message to Austria regarding that the country's lockdown measures and that the true fight for health is in not getting vaccinated. He said last year, as you may recall, Van den Bosch stated publicly that trying to vaccinate people in the midst of a pandemic is about the worst thing you can do if stopping the spread is truly your goal. He said, quote, we need to help them as much as we can because we need extensive treatment in many cases. He said about the fully vaccinated who have no idea what will soon become of them. He said, whereas more and more with training and the innate immune system with more exposure to the virus, no, it's poison, more and more non-vaccinated people get protected. He further explained, this will lead inevitably, and I am not a doomsday preacher, but this will inevitably lead to a collapse of our health system. It can it cannot be otherwise, he said. Again, it's a basic numbers game. It's simple numbers. If they force the vaccination on all of these people within hospitals and doctors' offices, and it's a poison that permanent permanently ruptures their RNA and changes them completely, which it does, they will not be the same person. They will get sick more and more and more. They cannot do their job. That will cost these organizations, these healthcare, quote unquote, facilities, more money to fill their position. But what have they done? Again, it's just like teacher education. For the love of God, it's just like teacher education and the education system. What have they done with the, with the student nurses? The student nurses have all been forced to take the jabs. So what's going to happen when they need to replace the current nurses because the current nurses are out sick or dead? What's going, well, I mean, who are they going to replace them with? A stuffed animal? They can't replace them with a student nurse because that person is sick and or dying. Or even worse, I suppose, to some extent, they will enter their new position, quote unquote, or their new job, and they will be asked, have you taken the shots? And they'll say yes, because they have taken them. Or they'll most likely say yes, because they have taken them. Or they'll certainly be asked, well, have you taken the third shot? And then, of course, what if there's a fourth? I mean, I've seen some of these meatheads on television actually saying that people need to start taking a fourth and even fifth shot if you're quote-unquote immune compromised. That's, that's what the shots do. The shots wipe out your immune system. But these people are either psychopaths, which I think that they are, or they're just dumb and remarkably unknowledgeable. They actually think that you can inject yourself again into good health. That is impossible. That is not the way that the human body was designed to operate. This will lead to a collapse of the quote-unquote healthcare system among countless other professions. The education system, the military, all of this is, is, is going on right now and has been going on for quite some time. Again, I'm not dooming either, but it is worth bringing up this point, and this is again what I was, gonna, what I was alluding to at the very beginning. One of the things, again, that is happening here is it's just the basis of lying. It is that simple and that evil. It is lying. This is what lying does. 
And when you lie and you lie and you lie. I know the House of Cards example has been used. Yes, it certainly is. People believe it's, it's a sound structure. It looks familiar. And then they walk into it and it crumbles on top of them. There is so much lying that is taking place. I don't think that we can recover from that. There's just too much lying. There's too much. Lots of things are being revealed, I know, for lots of people. And that is an excellent thing. But you can only shovel so much snow as it is snowing down on top of you that you have to start asking the question whether or not you're going to actually catch up to the snow that's already falling on top of you before eventually you drop the shovel and you say, I can't catch up to this. There's too much snow. I'm trying to shovel as much as I can, trying to dig myself out of this as much as I can and other people around me as much as I can. But it's snowing too hard. Because again, the liars have all of these outlets under control for the most part. They do. They have the mainstream media. People still watch it. They've been manipulated, gaslighted, and lied to for their entire life since the, since the inception of the television. And yet, they aren't seeing a way out. They're still believing the lies. But for those of us that know what's really going on in the listening audience to this show, it's, it's worth asking that question. How much lying can we possibly catch up to and then eventually make the inroad or that leap to where the truth is outweighing and outpacing the lie? I just, I, I just don't know. And, I, and this is where I, I fear for the younger generation. They're consistently being lied to, not to mention, look what they've had to endure over the last two years. Look what the majority of the individuals who have participated in this entire psychological operation have had to endure within the public and university settings, within any place of employment. Wear the mask. Get the jab. If you don't, you get fired. That's ingrained in them now. They think that this is an aerosoled virus that will kill them. They're not even taking into account what they've injected into themselves. This is, uh, these are levels of lying that I don't think people are going to get past. You know, we've heard that post and we've read that post that the end won't be for everybody. I fully get that. There are lots of meanings to that, lots of interpretations. It's highly philosophical that the end won't be for everybody. And I'm telling you what, I think that includes a lot of these businesses and these lines of work. I, I don't think it's going to, I, I don't think they're going to exist in the future. I've said this on numerous occasions. You've heard me say it. We have to be our own medical doctors. We have to do our own research. We have to learn what to do with ourselves and with our bodies on a day in and day out basis to preserve our own innate immune systems and our own strength and our own well-being so that we can stay out of these places, so we can stay out of hospitals and stay away from even these schools. We have to educate ourselves so that we can stay away from these environments because the environments will kill us because they're already killing the people who work inside of them. What about us casual visitors? Who just show in and you know show up and and want to ask a question or, or or get something tended to. I mean they're killing us too. 
But I don't know. I, I just don't know if we'll ever be able to catch up to the lying. That's, that's going to be interesting. But on that note, on a more positive note, certainly, um, here's, here's another example, again, of a, of a pretty darn good article, and it's titled this. Again, this is a peer-reviewed, but it's an original article with numerous authors, and it's titled, Efficacy and Safety of Vitamin D Supplementation to Prevent COVID-19 in Frontline Healthcare Workers, a Randomized Clinical Trial. Allow me to read the abstract here. It says associations between vitamin D deficiency and the risk of SARS-CoV-2 infection have been documented in cross-sectional population studies. Intervention studies in patients with moderate to severe COVID-19 have failed to consistently document a beneficial effect. Objective. It says to determine the efficacy and safety of vitamin D supplementation in the prevention of SARS-CoV-2 infection in highly exposed individuals, and that was the objective. The method, a double-blind parallel randomized trial was conducted. Frontline health workers from four hospitals in Mexico City who tested negative for SARS-CoV-2 infection were enrolled between July 15th and December 30th of 2020. Participants were randomly assigned to receive 4,000 IU of vitamin D or placebo daily for 30 days. The RT-PCR tests were taken at base, as baseline and repeated. Of course, those don't work either, so there's the flaw in their study, which they don't even know. But it says if COVID-19, and were repeated if COVID-19 manifestations appeared during follow-up. Serum 25-hydroxyvitamin D3 and antibody tests were measured at baseline at day 45. Peer, uh, per protocol, and intention to treat analysis were conducted. Here were the results and the conclusion. Results. Of 321 recruited subjects, 94 vitamin D and 98 placebo group completed follow-up. SARS-CoV-2 infection rate was lower in vitamin D than in the placebo group. The risk, let's see, um, 64, I'm sorry, 6.4% versus 24.5%. The risk of acquired SARS-CoV-2 infection was lower in the vitamin D than in the placebo group and was associated with an increment in serum levels of 25-hydroxyvitamin D independently of vitamin D deficiency. No significant adverse events were identified. Conclusions. Our results suggest that vitamin D supplementation in highly exposed individuals prevents SARS-CoV-2 infection without serious adverse events and regardless of their vitamin D status. Ladies and gentlemen, vitamin D and specifically vitamin D3 have been proven to wipe out cancer. In fact, it's been shown that no one died of cancer who had high doses of vitamin D3 upwards of 10,000 IU per day. Now, I've mentioned the website lifeextension.com before. I've bought a ton of their products. I have a bunch of their products on hand. I'm not a paid spokesman for them, but when you buy their products, you end up getting a free magazine in the mail, which is a rather substantial magazine, on a regular basis. And their products are absolutely fantastic, remarkably affordable, and uh, you get countless discounts as a result of acquiring their vitamins and their their supplements and whatever through their website. They sell 
vitamin D3 in smaller containers. And there aren't many pills in it, but there's, you know, there's plenty for, for a very fair price in amounts of 5,000 IUs. You take two of those a day, you're as good as gold. You don't even have to take that much. You can work your way up to it. You can take 1,000 per day, and then you can work your way up to 10,000 per day. It's completely your call. But what vitamin D3 does for our entire body as a detoxifier is amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And so again, that's an example of an article that has such a simple conclusion that healthcare workers, all they had to do was just take vitamins and minerals and they were going to be A-OK. But not so now within the environment where, again, this injectable poison has been pumped into them with, with the threat of loss of their job, whether they take it or not. And now they're around one another, including the healthy, while they are shedding on one another. And they have been, of course, doing this since the very start. Uh, this, is, this is just an example of an article that needs more exposure that isn't going to get this kind of exposure. And it's published just this month, just last week, in the Archives of Medical Research. Again, brand new article. You heard it right here first. Vitamin D3 is, is the preventative measure. They tested this again on Mexican nurses, and they were all 100% fine, never got sick. They've probably never been jabbed either. And that's the kicker right there. I want to conclude with this. There are a number of individuals who have stated this, and I've even brought up a lot of this in the past too, that of course the enemy isn't going to quit. And the likelihood, in particular with these elections coming up here in November, the likelihood of them pushing more lockdowns and more scare tactics is highly probable. It's, it's most certainly going to happen. I'm not saying it to scare anybody. I'm saying it because it's realistic and we need to remain vigilant. That's the point. So, again, we can walk around as naively positive people all we, you know, all we would like, but we have to remain vigilant on a constant basis. There's been the talk of the Marburg virus, quote-unquote. There's been talk of smallpox outbreaks, quote-unquote, whether it will be real or fake, um, legitimate or, again, just uh, another, another PSYOP. Who's to know? But if it occurs, don't buy into it is, is the ultimate point. Don't buy into it. Do your own thinking. Do your own research. Turn off the television. Live your life and watch the crazy clown people run around and eat each other alive. It'll be interesting to see how many people actually buy into another one of these psyops when they, when they actually happen again. And it probably will happen again. So, again, I would encourage people to keep that in mind. However, this comes from Igor's newsletter on Substack, written by Igor Chudov. I'm saying his last name correctly. And it's titled, Vaccine Skeptics Are the True Critical Thinkers. We Overcame the Most Sophisticated Forms of Manipulation. And he brings up a lot of different studies of which I've written about in my books in the past, like the, like the Ash Conformity Experiment and a number of other things. He has some bullet points here at the end which are worth reading. And of course, if you're unjabbed and you know this, uh, you probably fall right into these categories, if not other categories as well. And if you are jabbed and you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, 
I, I agree with these bullet points too. It doesn't mean, again, that, uh, that you can't still improve on a number of different things, of course. And hopefully, again, you, you don't buy into the next PSYOP that takes place because, again, the enemy won't quit here. It says the following. It says the minority of people saw through that, decided accordingly, and refused vaccination. Who was that? It's, he then says, you, my readers. What made you decide this? I am sure that there were just as many reasons as people here. The main factor is that you all took a few minutes to think about it critically. You were independently minded and decided to think for yourselves. And here are his four bullet points. He says, was it your general distrust of government? Was it your deep knowledge of virology and molecular biology? Knowing, of course, that viruses aren't real. The third point, was it your experience in wheeling and dealing, exposure to scams and knowing how con men operate? Or was it your ability to think independently without needing people to agree with you? He then concludes and says, even those who took the shots and saw the light later are critical thinkers. What is important is seeing the light, not necessarily the timing of when you saw the light. Well, the timing matters, but I get what he's saying. It is certainly those that are less agreeable that are the ones who didn't fall for this. And even though countless good people fell for it, there is still plenty for them to learn because they will try this again. And when they push another, another jab or they push another mask or they push another lockdown, you would better be there side by side, shoulder to shoulder with the rest of us to say no, because if you participate, you will not survive. And they're counting on that. The bad guy is always counting on that. So keep that in mind moving forward here. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll catch you on Friday. Take care. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.